0: Well, hello, DTP fam, and welcome to today's episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast, and I am your host here on the DTP, here on the show, my name, of course, is Colton G, you're the listeners of the show, and today, today we're going to be doing a little bit of a change-up, no, we're not doing a different style of interview, we're actually going to be doing a one-on-one episode where I'm going to be sitting down and just talking to you, just talking to you about some things, and it's been a long time since we last did this. The last time it was just me by myself was episode 40, which was over a year and a half ago, and the only other time that we have ever had a Just Me Speaking episode was episode 22, which was about two years ago, almost now, where we did a Let's Talk episode. You guys know the uh, the idea behind the whole Let's Talk movement, mental health, breaking the stigma, and there was a lot of things that I covered in that episode, and I actually want to further discuss one of the things that I discussed in that episode. That something that I actually passed a five-year anniversary for this recently on December the eighth. Um, here back in 2014, if you listened to the mental health episode, I went into this a little bit, and today I actually plan on going into this a lot more. And it's not just going to be about what happened in that, I want to put a positive spin into this, so I'm going to take one of the most negative things that has ever happened to me in my life, and I'm going to explain how that helped push me in order to create some of the most beautiful and memorable moments in my life, and probably do more in the last five years than I have ever accomplished in the 24 years before that. It's a bold claim, but it's true as far as I'm concerned, and we're going to get into why. So, what did happen to me on December 8th, 2014? Well, back then, I was a carpenter. That's right. Two years ago, actually, when I made my uh, Let's Talk episode, I was also a carpenter. I'm not a carpenter anymore. I worked in a kitchen for a little while, and now I'm like setting up satellite everywhere. I'm setting up satellite internet all over British Columbia. It's crazy how much the world can change in two years, and... It's even, like, crazier how much the world can change in five. So, let's get into it. Like I said, last time we spoke about this, I discussed the accident. I didn't really say what exactly happened, how I felt, or any about that, and we got into some small things. And we're going to cover some of those again now, but don't worry, that was a long time ago, so some of you probably forgot that I even talked about these things, and that's okay. It's been a lot of episodes between now and then. So... let's get into it. And as you might be able to tell, this is a little bit of a tough subject for me as I'm kind of beating around the bush of just diving into the conversation. I'm a little unsure about how I want to get into it, but we're going to get through it. And that's the beautiful thing because that's part of breaking the stigma and that's talking about these things. So let's, let's go for it. So December 8th, 2014, I was a construction worker working for one of the biggest commercial construction companies in canada i was helping build things like university um residency buildings wings on hospitals uh i helped build the new stadium in regina for the saskatchewan rough riders something that i am incredibly proud of and i actually like i hated working at that building but like Watching football games and concerts there before I moved was the best feeling, knowing that I placed those things there. So anyway, I loved being a carpenter, but it was something that challenged me a lot, and like I said, I worked for one of the biggest companies, and I was... I I loved my job, I was dedicated to my job, and I tried pushing and pushing, and I was there for overtime, and I was there for everything else and I tried to be a model employee as much as I possibly could except for a few things of course I mean not everybody's perfect I'm not gonna try and say that I didn't do silly things but anyway one day we we were working with uh, building a office building in downtown Regina um I don't want to go into too many details about the building because I'm probably gonna bury some people. Later on in this episode, without saying their names, so I don't want anybody to like find who the company was or possibly like do anything because I actually know some of you guys are actually like kind of vicious, you listeners or the fans. You've gone at some of the people who have uh, come after me in the past, and we, we don't need to open those floodgates. So, anyway, yes, December 8th, I'm a construction worker working for one of the biggest construction outfits in Canada. I am building a nice, Big, tall tower in the middle of downtown Regina, and it's a late day. We're placing concrete stories on stories on stories, and we had just gotten out of the underground parking lot. And for some reason, the underground parking lot, well, there's lots of reasons, but I'm not going to get into them because that takes too long. The underground parking lot took us a lot longer than it should have, and the building was behind schedule, so we were rushing. We were working a lot of overtime. We were really pushing to get things done, and, well, when sometimes when you're pushing to get things done, mistakes happen, and, th- like I say, things happen. So, anyway, we're working late one day, and we're working on the first floor, which happens to have a much higher roof than the second floor. The first floor has a 14-inch roof, the second floor has er, inch foot roof, 14 feet to the roof on the first floor, the main floor, the second floor has an 8-foot roof meaning that we have to take off six feet worth of, um, length, so there's an extra set of legs on what is known as these floor formwork decks, and we're flying them out using cranes, and we've been flying out smaller ones all day, all day, everything's been going great, and it's, we've been there for 11 hours now, everybody's starting to get tired, it's really starting to get dark because it's December, let's face it, in the middle of North America it's dark pretty early if sometimes like it's dark in Saskatchewan right now and it's 630 right there right now so yeah it was getting dark and we decided we wanted to fly out one more table we wanted to fly out one more table before the end of the day because everybody was already there the crane was already operating why not get that last little movement before seven o'clock Send everybody home, and everyone got a little bit of overtime. Awesome. The problem is, is the last table we decided to do was actually a little bit longer than the other tables we had been flying out. The other floor formwork, the other decks, as we would call them, sometimes as well, were being flown out, and because it was dark out, it was hard. I imagine it was very hard for the guy who was rigging up this deck to see where he was rigging things up, and I'm not sure if he had necessarily been trained properly on the differences of the tables or if he himself had actually been informed that this was a longer table, so he hooked it up thinking it was a smaller table. Um, So his pick points were much further to one side of the table than they should have been, so the crane wasn't supporting as much of the weight as it should have been. So we're taking off a layer of legs as we're flying these things out so that we can put them on the next floor. They're eight feet perfect they work fantastically awesome last table of the day let's fly this and as we're taking off the legs we're getting to the last ones and the crane operator when we get to the last two legs decides i want to adjust my weight to make sure that i fully have this so wait to take off the last two legs so me and another guy are standing there because we were ready to take off the legs and This is part of where I admit my fault in this situation because I should have been smart enough to move away from the thing that the 10,000 pound object that was being supported by a crane that, I mean, even had it been hooked up properly, I should have been smart enough to move. That's part of my fault. My counterpart, who was also working with me, who happened to be on a ladder, also did not move and unfortunately ended up breaking his ankle, jumping from the ladder. Thankfully, he did live and was able to go back to his job i am very very happy about that and i'll explain uh part of that why as we get into detail about this so um there was just the two of us because everybody else was carrying the legs that they had already taken down and the supports because there's like braces in between these legs to make sure that they're sturdy and they hold together and they're all clamped so everybody else is carrying these two parts it's just the two of us and so we're just waiting for him to adjust the weight, and we're talking to each other, and suddenly there's guys walking back. And, oh, I was about to say a name. Oh, man, I almost said a name. Okay, one guy says, yells out over to the guy who's standing on the ladder. This is going to be really hard in context, and I'm going to try and keep this as, a. Uh... As straightforward as I possibly can, because there's going to be a lot of him and they and other things, because I'm not trying to use names. So, the guy walking towards us yells to the guy on the ladder, Hey, blank, watch your leg. It looks like it's slipping. To which point, both of us look, and we can start to see there's an angle on this leg. And then, as soon as we look, boom, the leg gives out. And suddenly, the table just drops, and... Thankfully, he was kind of on the outside, he was able to jump off of his ladder, and he did good. I was stuck in the middle. That's right, this this is how stupid it was, because you're saying, Colton, why didn't you get out from underneath this? You could have stopped this entire situation by yourself, just by moving beforehand. I know this, I know this, painfully I know this. But here I was, stuck in the middle of this table, the dead center middle, and I Stood still. I turned and I faced it, and this is still burnt in my memory. This still comes up when I sleep. And it's not as bad as two years ago when we discussed this, and I said that I still had a lot of flashbacks. It's actually way better than it was then. But anyway, the table ends up falling eight feet in a pendulum motion. 10,000 pounds falls eight feet in a pendulum motion towards me, and I am frozen. It is the longest. I don't even know how long this took, but it felt like forever. I i mean, not long enough that, like, my life could fall before my eyes, but it was long enough that I could literally, I know that I got out the words, oh, shit, because the thought in my head was, oh, shit, I'm about to die. I didn't have the time to say that out loud because I literally got to, oh, shit. And this thing hit me. And it hit me hard. So hard, I don't know if it knocked me out, or if my body just gave out to protect me. I don't know which one happened, but whatever happened, cool. I woke up quite a bit away from the brace that hit me. This brace hit me in the middle of my chest and my legs. Somehow, it either dragged me or swatted me, but did not break any of my bones. It knocked me onto the ground, and thankfully, my hard hat saved my head from cracking onto the concrete floor. This alone, between these two things, is a miracle. I would later find out, had I been one foot to the north, this thing would have hit me in the face, and it clear would have taken off my head and very, very much would have killed me. Very, very much would have killed me. Had I been one foot to the south, it would have hit me lower and possibly with a little less pressure, but in the spot that it would have hit me because it wouldn't have like dragged me or like that it would have straight up taken out my legs and possibly would have like crushed them, possibly putting me in a wheelchair for life. Had I tried to run to either side, one of the braces possibly would have split me in half. I don't think I'm surviving that one. So, the fact that I didn't move somehow put me in the perfect situation that not only did it not break my bones, not only did my hard hat somehow protect my head when I got swatted and or dragged across this floor, I have no idea. There is camera footage that exists, but I was told never to watch it by one of our safety people because she just didn't think that was a smart idea, and she was probably right. She was very much right. She was a very smart girl. Anyway, so, I wake up on the ground, and I have no idea, no idea if, like, what's going on, because I'm dazed. Like, I'm pretty sure I got checked for a concussion and they didn't see anything, but like, I was dazed and had no idea what was going on. I was laying there and I was wondering, like, what just happened? Because I forgot for a moment, everything was blank, I didn't know what was happening, and then suddenly I heard the scraping of the aluminum legs from this table on the concrete as it was still moving from the crane. From the pendulum motion, it was still kind of swaying back and forth a little bit from the crane, which was had taken quite a shake of its own, and I can only imagine that the crane operator had quite the ride going on for himself there but thankfully he was okay too the rigger turned out okay everybody else okay i'm the only person that got hit by this thing and as soon as i hear the aluminum scraping on the concrete i jump to my feet like not even thinking that like i might hit my head or anything possibly i jump to my feet and to see my entire, like, crew of workers, minus the one guy who jumped off his ladder because he ended up breaking his ankle, but pretty much everyone else who was at the bottom part of this with me, there was about 13 guys, 12 guys or so, and they're all standing outside this table. None of them wanted to look in because they didn't want to see one of their co-workers just smeared on the concrete, and I'm sorry if that's, like, a heavy visual but like this is something I've thought about a lot in the last five years so they were afraid that like I was toast I was done none of them wanted to see a dead body and then bam I jump up on my feet miraculously somehow and this one guy who actually was the guy who shouted at us that our leg was kicking out he was the first guy because no one else wanted to even come near the table this guy immediately runs up to this thing and shoves his hand in and like grabs me and he's like we're getting you out of there buddy and he rips me out and it's like i don't know i probably only weighed like 130 pounds at the time so it wasn't like much for him to do so but like he just (laughs) rips me out of there and he's just like oh my god like, we were actually, I was friends with this guy at the time, he was a really good work friend of mine, great dude, I hope he's doing amazing things with his career and his life, and, yeah, so he was the only person that was willing to actually come near this thing, and it was, um, I broke down, I broke down, I started bawling on, like, what, what, what would you do, what would you do, like, how do you react to that, and I have no problem in admitting that I bawled my eyes out, I, immediately, I texted my parents, actually, and they got mad at me, (laughs) it was, like, I texted my mom, my stepdad, and my sisters, all, like, the same, like, all at the same time, just, like, hey, I love you, um, you know, a message you would say, like, when you something almost happens, and you really, really want to convey your emotions for someone, and basically right away, my mom calls me, and it's like, what is going on, what the hell happened to you, and so I explain to her, and she's, are you going to a hospital, and, um, I don't know, So this is where things get really, really, really screwed up and this is why I'm not mentioning the company name and why I'm not mentioning some names because some people did really, really, really good things in this situation and some people are terrible. I understand that they were towing the company line and they were doing what they had to do, but terrible human beings because I, I decided to go for a walk while... They were waiting for the safety guy, and I wanted to go look at this table, and I ended up meeting up with one of the foreign workers, and he ended up telling me, and he warned me, don't, don't trust anybody here, because something just happened to you, and this is, like, it was a major, like, that worksite should have been shut down, and the fact that it wasn't is very, 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 very much, I'm pretty sure, illegal. So, yeah, so he basically told me that the company is going to attempt to protect themselves and I need to do the best to protect myself. And this is where things get worse. The safety person shows up and here I here I have a guy who sounds like he's looking out for me. He sounds like he wants me to do good, and everything else, and then the safety guy shows up, like I say, and he doesn't want me to go to the hospital. Are you kidding me? I just got hit by 10,000 pounds of wood, aluminum, and steel, and you're telling me I don't have to go to the hospital? Just because I can walk? Just because I can walk doesn't mean anything else is wrong? Miraculous thing, like I said earlier somehow, nothing except for my head, my head got super messed up, body, incredibly, I don't know how I took that hit, I don't know how I took that hit, but I did, anyway, so, yeah, um, he didn't want to drive me to the hospital, um, protocol was they had to call 911 if they called 911 there was going to be an ambulance the company was going to have to pay for an ambulance if they call an ambulance that also means that there's going to be more paperwork therefore meaning that the site is possibly going to be shut down this is a bad thing because the site is already behind by four months and is already at the potential of losing money this can't happen from the company's standpoint so after a large argument between one of my supervisors and actually it was the, uh, he was working for the company, he was a supervisor, but he was like, he wasn't office, he was the head guy in front of the people who were actually on, on the site. He was in charge of that. He wasn't one of the office people on the site, he was one of the actual, journeyman carpenters who was in charge of dealing with things this man i will back forever and he is actually the reason why i never sued this company because i have so much respect for that man that i would never attempt to risk his life ever ever i love this dude we had the same taste in music i would show up to site every day and we would just like freaking metal horns each other and freaking slayer man Oh, just a genius of a metalhead, and, like, beautiful, beautiful human being, recovered addict, and he had a blind son that he was raising, and he was a beautiful human being, and he was the one person who sat there when they said, we're not taking him to the hospital, and he's like, I will drive him myself, and he would not take no for an answer. Basically, the safety guy had to drive me, because if he didn't, this guy was going to take it, and then that was definitely against company policy and company was going to come back against the safety guy for allowing the other dude in order to work there so only because he decided he was going to go at bat for me was the reason that this happened so he came to the hospital with me which is great making him my main witness in this situation another one of the higher office people from the company ended up coming to the hospital to meet me too and make sure that i'm all right and I, I, once again, I understand why he did what he did, and I'm sure if he hears this, he'll just think that I'm whining or something or anything like that, but whatever. What happened happened, and basically they had me sign my WCB papers before I ever saw a doctor. So if you are in the medical field or in a legal field, you probably know that Or you might know that this is very, very, very much not protocol, very much illegal. And basically, had I died from interior injuries of something during that evening, I had already signed off saying everything that I was okay. So had everything gone off that I was okay, I don't even know if my parents would have been able to sue them. Just a side note here, during the initial recording of this, I forgot to mention that they also uh, requested that I showed up to work the next day, which I did attempt to do. They were going to give me absolutely no paid time off, and I was just coming up to the Christmas holidays. So of course, you know, you gotta make that chatter. Thankfully, somebody, one of the supervisors on the site was willing to pay me two weeks off of his budget for his part of that job site just so that I could sit at home, and I am extremely thankful to that human being. He is an excellent individual. All right, back to the story. I I should have sued the company for doing this, but of course my only witness is a human being who I would never ask to risk his situation, the life that he built so that he could provide for his child and family i couldn't do it i'll never be able to do it i could never ever 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 ever. so i was lost the company uh hooked me up with some counseling they did and the counselor that the they sent me to i did not get along with and i will admit fully i did not go to the counseling meetings that I was supposed to going to I thought that I could be stronger than this I thought I could power through this I was wearing dark sunglasses at work in like this is winter where it's dark out already and like I shouldn't be wearing dark sunglasses but I was wearing them to hide the fact that I was crying I was hiding in bathrooms whenever I got triggered from something I would hide in corners and it's just I was not a good person to be around I got super depressed And I ended up making some really, really stupid decisions. I've mentioned before on this podcast, I thought I was in a coma for two weeks after this has happened. And this is actually a feeling that comes back to me. And like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to record this on Sunday, but that feeling came back. Some days, some days I get in a feeling like I'm in a dream world and that I'm going to end up waking up in a hospital and I'm still laying in a bed somewhere that everything I've accomplished in the last 5 years is a dream. And some days that knocks me off pace, but then I I'm able to not get myself back on my feet and I'm able to like remember that if this is a dream, it's the past damn dream I've ever had. And I'm going to keep living it and if I ever have to wake up, hopefully I can remember this dream because I I think this dream would inspire me to for if Coma Colton ever is a thing, that Coma Colton can use this to know that he can accomplish something and he can actually push through things. So let's let's take that. How do I take that terrible, terrible moment that just took me 25 minutes to get through and turn it into some of the most positive experiences in my life? Well, let me tell you, five years is a long time and it took a large portion of that long time in order to pull this off. To start things off, Did not go well. Like I said, I thought I was in a coma. I wanted to relapse because I am a recovered alcoholic. And, well, I was at the point where I was willing to do a lot worse things. I wanted to go on a bender of all benders. I quit alcohol thinking that I... That, like, I wanted to extend part of my life, but, like, growing up in high school and everything else, I grew up with the thought that, for some reason, I wasn't going to live past the twenty age of 25. And then, having almost lost my life at the age of 24 in, like, a month, not even, like, ma- 11 months away from being 25, I almost just lost my life. It scared me shitless. And it almost pushed me into a road of, like I said, going down into a bender and possibly creating that opportunity for things to end at twenty-five and that was at one moment, thankfully, um my parents basically begged me to come out to the farm and I'm glad that they did because that maybe saved me from going on that bender because I was not in a good relationship with the person that I was living with at the time. And I still don't communicate with that person. And I think it's a shame because they were one of my best friends at the time. And I love that human being deeply. And I would love to rebuild that bridge. And I'm sad that this is something that affected that relationship. But what can you do? So, from there, yeah, I went to my parents' farm, I tried going around, I went to counseling for a little bit, and I ended up, like, dating a few people, and basically every time I tried dating somebody, I basically used them as my crutch for my mental health, my PTSD, and everything else, and it is not healthy, because what happens to a crutch? Well, if somebody comes and kicks it out, you're gonna fall flat on your face again, and then who is gonna come and pick you up? So, I... While I was dating one of these people, I joined a band. And basically, they kind of helped convince me to join this band. And I'm really glad that they did because it's part of what helped turn me around. Because growing up, I had a few a few dreams. I wanted to... I really, really wanted to play music. I wanted to be a touring musician. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be Angus Young. I wanted to be Phil Linet. I wanted to be just that rock and roll god who just commanded the stage and could just rock everywhere and like it's probably why stage presence is probably like the best part of my game is watching people like bruce dickinson and like i said angus young and a lot of metallica and a lot of those bands that were very very stage presence heavy in those areas and that's probably ozzy osbourne Like, a lot of those groups were the things that inspired me to push me, and I wanted to play in a metal band, and I wanted to play in a metal band, and she, she inspired me to go after something else, and, like, I admit, me using her as a crutch was not a healthy situation, and, like, Everything that happened in that relationship was not healthy, and I don't blame her for a majority of that. She ended up buying me a dog, and the dog ended up helping me through a lot of these things. So, thank you. Thank you. You know who you are. Anyway, like I said, I ended up joining this band, and everything was going good. I was dating this girl who I thought everything was going great with, and I finally convinced myself to join a punk band, a pop-punk band, and ended up turning out. I freaking loved it! I love playing pop punk music. It has actually helped me open me up. And as you guys have seen through the podcast, I've had like country musicians on here, pop musicians, all of that. That would never have happened had I not opened that door through Almost Alien. Almost Alien inspired me to push into a lot different realms. And that made me stoked. But partway into that, I ended up getting a dog, like I said, and then me and this girl ended up getting a place together, but before we were supposed to move in together, everything fell apart. Once again, I don't blame her. Had we moved in together, things probably would have ended up worse than they actually did. So, that's great. But, because I was using this girl as a crutch, I thought my entire world had fallen out behind me, and I got incredibly depressed, and even though my roommate, who was very probably right in saying that i shouldn't move out on my own i told him no because i have been using other people as a crutch and i need to go prove that i can do this on my own The problem was i hadn't been through counseling i hadn't gone through dealing with a lot of these problems and for a little bit of the start of it i fell flat on my face i was concentrating very heavily on almost alien but construction inside of saskatchewan was slowing down and I ended up leaving the company that I was working for because they almost actually killed me again with another crane. Yeah. Basically, they next time, they almost dropped an air compressor on me, and I had, like, a... They almost dropped an air compressor three stories at the football stadium, and I was building stands, uh, yeah, on the first level, which was pretty much right underneath where they did it. And I had a six foot lanyard. So I had a 12, I had a 12, uh, the circumference is a full circle, I believe. Yeah. So I had like a 12 foot circumference to a uh, dodge. This thing had it fallen. It didn't fall, but what it did do was trigger my emotions. I heavily flashed back on site. I broke down. I ended up quitting the company. Um, things fell apart very quickly in that regard and yeah so I was working for a residential company but residential construction had slowed down so much because the economy in Saskatchewan had slowed down so much that nobody was buying houses and I wasn't affording to pay all of my bills and I was getting super depressed like so super depressed that I would actually turn on water to go do dishes would go lay down on the couch like and some of you are going to say why didn't you just stay until the sink was done filling and then turn it off i was in a really 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 messed up state of mind and that thought process was not there for me So I would start like a sink of dishes and I would leave that sink of dishes and I would go lay down on the couch and then like ten minutes later my dog would be like trying to nudge me be like yo guy yo guy the sink is fill the kitchen's filling up water the kitchen's filling up with water bro and I flooded out the kitchen of the house that I was renting and I got so depressed that I stopped paying some of my bills and basically I needed help. And I ended up going and getting help eventually. I ended up finding one of the greatest counselors that I had ever found. And she ended up not only helping me go through a lot of that PTSD, but she also ended up helping me realize why some of the reasons why I was depressed before the PTSD, some of the things that I was carrying with me since a very young age. And I truly believe that this was part of where things started to turn around because like... Yes, I was playing music and that was a great thing. And that was one of the things that I needed. Let's say it was one of my coping mechanisms that I needed in order to help me get back on my feet. But the coping mechanism can only get me so far if I don't understand how to heal through these moments. So now that I have a good coping mechanism, we can heal through these moments. After that, we can get through this and things are going really good. We're getting lots of opportunities with this band. It's fantastic. It is fantastic, but then everything falls out once again on me after going through all this counseling and everything else. I end up shattering my wrist one day while riding my bike through a hood. This is actually what ended up leading to the podcast because I got so freaking sad that I couldn't create anything that I ended up creating a podcast in order to just continue creating and allow others to help express themselves in a new form i was a big fan of the medium a big fan of joe rogan chris jericho impact theory with tom bilyeu chasing glory with lillian garcia a lot of those shows very big fan of the style and i figured why couldn't i do that a little behind the scenes in some of the interviews that i had done when i was in almost alien I felt that a lot of what we did was chopped up and used to help a certain narrative or an idea, and I liked how in the podcast method, a lot of people let it all hang out. They let the people express who they were and didn't try and twist those words in order to create a narrative or a story so that they could create some clickbait or get more views that way. I'd much rather shine somebody up in a positive light and do it properly and i figured if it was happening to us as a small band how many other smaller groups must it be happening to and it must be happening at the top of the chain as well and actually um before i ended up breaking my wrist i ended up sending an email to high impact wrestling in regina saskatchewan because almost alien was slowing down a little bit and we didn't plan on doing a whole lot during the later half of the year and I figured it'd be a perfect time to get involved in another entertainment forum right so I broke my wrist and I thought well what could I possibly do well I end up booking one of my first interviews with the booker and promoter of Canadian Wrestling Elite one the only uh province to province touring promotion in Canada for professional wrestling that isn't the WWE And during our interview, I ended up asking him the question, and this is well after my wrist has healed and I have my cast off, and I asked him, how does one get involved with the wrestling industry, even if they wanted to be a ref? And that's something that we're actually going to bring up a little bit later in this episode, but I just want to put that in there. I just want to put that in there. So, not only have I taken... This giant accident, year one was a lot of going through the wrong methods of trying to heal myself and then finding the right methods. Year two was a lot of focusing myself on almost alien and live music and pushing forward. And now we're in year three and I have shattered my wrist now. Music is no longer an option. We're pushing into a podcast and we're continuing to prove that no matter how many times I get knocked down, I can keep getting back up. And now, not only have I achieved one of my, or chased one of my childhood goals and achieved it to some degree, I've chased two of them. So we end up getting here, Desert Tiger Podcast, what you're listening to right now. It's been an incredible journey. Something that started as interviewing people that I was just interested in, like Danny Duggan and getting like a few touring musicians here and there. And interviewing some of my friends, like Alone I Walk, calling all captains, uh, Tanner Seer, Chief State, those kind of guys. It ended up leading me down a giant rabbit hole because one day I ended up getting an offer for a Juno nominee in one of the members of the Sheepdogs, and that end up ends up turning into more things, and it eventually leads me to the bass player of Fifty Four Forty, which then like that kicked. The podcast into a whole new gear and then it suddenly turned into not only like am i just doing this podcast thing and like i'm getting like okay numbers with it that suddenly turned it into holy crap i'm a media outlet now suddenly i'm getting emails from pr managers from across north america with various different styles of musicians and everything else all because one of the members from 5440 said i was one of the best interviewers he has ever had in like his 40 year career. That blows my mind because my dad got me into 5440 when I was like six. This band been around since before I was even born, and this ends up leading to not only a lot more of the classical rock world and opening that door, and I've had so much the guess who? Maestro Fresh Wes. Like who else have we had? The Trues, who was a band I grew up in with in high school who I loved. I ended up getting my favorite high school band of all time, Protest the Hero, and that was still last year. Last year was incredible, and that pushed us into a whole new realm, and suddenly I'm a media outlet. And then, And then we hit year four, which has been like the last year, which has been freaking incredible. Also, also, one thing to note during last year during one of my trips i tried to interview a couple of professional wrestlers who had wrestled for the wwe who were in edmonton a friend of mine who happened to wrestle for a promotion in it was actually calgary it was calgary and medicine hat um a friend of mine who actually wrestled for the promotion ended up messaging me during this and asked me hey if i could get you on as a ref during this show would you be interested and a huge thank you to Scott Justice for doing that because that ended up starting something else. I ended up refing three shows in Alberta in 2018. I just want to throw that in again because it helps lead into now, 2019, which, which really is where we started to put the foot on the gas. Like, I had had a ton of really incredible opportunities with the podcast and at the end of 2018 I was coming off of some really strong episodes with some really incredible guests like Gordy Johnson a Big Sugar and Andy Kim who wrote Sugar Sugar for the Archies and who you should definitely look up a little bit more into he's a Canadian freaking icon if I've ever seen one he deserves that right as well as I believe it and even though he's not Not as well-known as he possibly should be. Rock Me Gently, great song. I just had to throw that in there. But anyway, even though I was getting incredible opportunities, I wasn't releasing episodes as much as I should have. I wasn't writing anything, and I completely let my wrestling aspirations just pretty much die. Because I didn't ref anything after January of 2018. I went the rest of the entire year without even getting in a ring. I was kind of getting into a little bit of a lull, and I knew that I needed to pick things up. And part of what helped that happen was The Trues got announced as playing a show in Kamloops, and I decided I wanted that opportunity. But in order to get that opportunity, I needed consistency. I needed to step my game up. I needed to prove that I was worthy of continuing to interview Juno nominees, that I was worthy of continuing to interview artists who had gone gold and platinum. who who are on major labels, who have been on major labels, and who have contributed a massive amount towards the history of Canada. So at the beginning of 2019, I decided it was time to pull up the bootstraps. It was time to get things together, and we started things out strong. It was an incredible push. Coming off of these strong episodes of Andy Kim and Gordy Johnson, we made things even more powerful, starting off with In the City and Marcus Haran, The Desert Tiger podcast went on a huge string, where almost every episode had a powerful moment inside of it, a giant revelation, something where someone had to look deep inside of themselves, and I really started to feel that. I started to find a talent as an interviewer. Sure, sure, the previous 54 episodes I had done something, but the other like 30, 40 episodes that have come since then, have been an immense jump, I went on a just giant crushing streak, and it was incredible, and the opportunities just started to continue to come, and we have just built this immense, immense, Like, thing here, like I said, I'm a media outlet now, you guys. I'm going to Canadian Music Week in Toronto next year because of Desert Tiger. Like, these opportunities are crazy. And the fact that these opportunities have come up and I've been able to build myself a reputation as an interviewer with different PR outlets has allowed me to embrace and jump into some of those other things like wrestling where I actually happened to meet a very good friend of mine, my good friend Matt Burns, who... I I know that I said this was going to be a one-on-one episode today, but you know what? Matt actually happens to be in town, so we're going to ask him to come onto the podcast for a moment, and we're actually going to discuss a little bit of getting into it, because he, like myself, is an aspiring ref getting into the business trying to reach his goals inside of another in one of his own dreams. So I'd actually like to take a moment to bring Matt Burns to the Desert Tiger podcast. And I would like to take a moment to thank you, Golden, for inviting me onto your show. Well, it's always a pleasure when we can have somebody from the wrestling world here on Desert Tiger and especially somebody from you know, my area of the world, BC, Central Interior, Okanagan region, and it's kind of cool that we can meet up and we can discuss, since you're sort of jumping into this world the same time that I am. Well, yeah, actually, we met each other, I believe, at uh, one of my first shows here in the, o- actually, it was my first show here in the Okanagan uh, what day was that? I actually can't recall off the top of my head. Can you remind me? Uh, give me a second here. I know it was Thrash Wrestling in Vernon, British Columbia, September 21st. And the event was called Do or Die, I believe. And that evening, I reft a match between the Yoga Master, Davey Deals, and the legendary Black Dragon. You mean like trained in the Heart Family Dungeon totally went to Japan and had a huge epic feud with Ultimo Dragon, Black Dragon. That that is the exact Black Dragon that I happen to be talking about right now. My goodness, that's incredible. So you're just thrown in there with somebody with the size of Davy Deals because he's he's not a small boy. He's He's thick, he's husky, he's got a lot of strength to him. And then you've got someone with the prestige, with the story of Black Dragon. How do you keep order between two competitors like that? Well, sometimes you just have to tie up your shoes, put on that ref shirt, and you just have to do your best in order to keep the order within that ring. Because if you're not keeping those rules consistent, who's going to? And I mean... Sometimes, sometimes it does get a little bit risky in there. I mean, it, uh, I have taken a few hits myself and it happens, but you just got to do your, what, se- what, what, you, you've been hit uh, uh, three times this year, three times this year. I believe I've uh, either had my eyes blinded a little bit or I've taken a straight punch to the face. Oh, oh, straight punch to the face hmm that's uh that this seems like a little riskier than i i thought refereeing might be well sometimes it it, things happen pretty quick out there these are very athletic competitors and as much as i want to say i I do hate getting hit by any of them because they are hard hitting boys and girls let me tell you even if they aren't boys and girls whoever they are they're all hard hitting they're athletic competitors and they'll take you out let me tell you and they they definitely have so let, let's talk about that a little bit um i'm i'm a little intrigued i'm a little intrigued here so how, how many events have you worked since the 21st of september who have you worked for how many matches have you had and t- tell me a little bit about how those things have gone down well in my short period uh, here in the central interior organ region it's been about three and a half four months i have been absolutely lucky enough to have worked for three separate promotions those of course being thrash wrestling big west wrestling and of course canadian wrestling's elite and i am very very thankful to all of those promotions for allowing me the opportunities to keep order within their ring that they have allowed me. In those 10 events that I have reffed between those three promotions, I have had been able to ref 21 matches, and like I said earlier, in three of those, some unfortunate situations may have came about. So you have a percentage of getting hit in the face. 15% of the time? Well, I mean... Up until this last weekend, it was actually like a lot smaller, and I'd only been hit in the face once. And then, yes, Big Boss Wrestling West Santa Slam didn't go nearly as planned. So, when when you say not nearly as planned, what 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 do you mean? Well, I may have been uh, let, let's say Jingle Bell rocked by uh. Scarlet Black in what seemed to be a uh, Christmas celebration hardcore match and very much, very much took out one of my eyes, and then the exact same eye happened to get taken out right after intermission. My goodness. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, I can only assume that you're hoping to get hit in the face less in 2020, but, I mean, it there's never any guarantees on that, apparently, based on what I'm hearing here. So, what are some of your other goals for 2020? Well, I would like to, uh, I'd like to ref 100 matches. I'd love to debut for more promotions. I actually have plans, intentions of going out east sometime in the spring. I would love to work for someone out in the uh, Toronto area. If possible, maybe even breaking down into the States, Seattle, Portland, something like that would be fantastic. I would really, really love those opportunities. Wow, so 2020 really seems to be bringing you some really, really big things. Yeah, abs- or, uh, uh, yeah absolutely. Some really, really big things for Matt Burns. Um, what what does 2020 hold for you, Colton? Well, it's funny you should ask that, Matt, because in 2020, I also hope to uh, continue pursuing my dreams inside of a wrestling ring, and I also plan on releasing more music. It's been well over three years since I helped Almost Alien release their Crash Landing EP, and I think it's time that I finally put my mark on the music world outside of the stage Presence outside of the management side. I actually want to release some music that has been written by me and has come from my own heart. And of course, I absolutely continue to plan on pursuing the Desert Tiger podcast, interviewing amazing individuals for the listeners of this show every single week. And I can't wait for those conversations. I can't wait. To research some of those people and I've already set some of the interviews that I have coming up in 2020 already and I'm very excited for you guys to hear what is coming in the future from Desert Tiger and you guys have heard me say this many many times when I'm trying to push ilovedtp.com and that's not me trying to push ilovedtp.com that's actually me trying to go on the slogan of When I say that you can represent the show every single place you go because your haters can't stop you from chasing your dreams, that's not, like, some stupid catchphrase. That's me actually saying that, like, your haters can't if you absolutely want something so bad. You're willing to put in everything you have in order to earn it, especially if you have multiple dreams like myself. You, you have the opportunity to pursue some of the things that you believed you could do that you were younger, that people told you that were stupid, that told, they told you were completely ridiculous, that they told you were absolutely impossible. Because my friend, we live in a world where these things actually are starting to become possible. And if you're willing to be reasonable about your goals, as well as work your ass off, you're going to be capable of achieving these things in some way, shape form and or fashion in your future. Take it from somebody who wanted to be a rock star, rocking like a god on stage and he didn't get to do very much with it and I plan on doing more with it in the future. But I've got to pursue music. We had the opportunity to win awards, do amazing things. I then got to pursue my dream of being a radio personality, being one of those much music VJs. I get to do the Desert Tiger podcast every single week for you guys. I get to meet cool musicians. I've built amazing relationships across North America and even further with that, with incredible, incredible individuals, thanks to this show. And I've also been able to pursue a dream that I didn't actually know I wanted it as much as I wanted it. Back when I used to play on my trampoline back in the day and, like, just pretend to wrestle invisible men. And I mean, like, Jim Cornette would shit himself if you heard that. Because apparently that is taboo. But, I mean, that's another wonderful thing is the wrestling business has changed enough that somebody who works as a radio personality and possibly creates his own music on the side, if he wants to pursue something enough and opens up his weekends and wants to do it, he can maybe get inside of a wrestling ring and ref 21 matches in three and a half months, and maybe even get punched in the face by a guy named Vance Nevada and Scarlet Black. It's, life is an incredible journey if you make it into that. And if you're willing, like I said, to pursue the things that you love, the world can be a beautiful place. And that's why I say that nobody can truly stop you from chasing your dreams if you really, really want them. So go out there. Pursue whatever it is you want. Rock bottom doesn't. It does not have to be rock bottom. Good luck on your journeys. Let me know how it goes. Send me messages, DMs, tag me on your posts. Follow me on your stories. I'll follow you back on your social media. I wanna see your journeys as you go across. You can find me at Desert Tiger Pod or Colton uh, period G underscore. I'm trying to get something smoother than that, but that's what it is right now. So we'll rock it. Colton period G underscore. G E E. Y'all know what it is. So please, I wanna see your guys' journey. I wanna see your personal progress. I wanna see you achieve. The things that you believe that you can achieve. So let's do this together. Next week, we're probably going to return to our normally scheduled progress. Our programming here, I guess I should say, here on the podcast. We're either going to go with a musician or a comedian. But you guys probably already knew that. So until then, stay beautiful. Go out, chase your dreams. Find your mountain, climb it, and scream from the top. Scream as loud as you can and sing your greatest songs from the top of that mountain. And I can't wait to hear you do so. Bye bye.